and welcome back to Try Not To Die. I'm your DM, your deacon of misery, Noah Perito, and I'm here with our lone hero. I am Lisa Kademi, a.k.a. Gorgonzola, former official bodyguard of <laughs> one Quinn Stuffler. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely tragic. Uh, before we get started, there's just a few announcements. First and foremost, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! 2021, baby! We're out of the year of the double crit. Yes, we are no longer being crit on. We all have a plus one to wisdom this year, Aww. hence why it's 2021. <laughs> um, obviously, this episode is actually coming out after the first episode we're releasing this year, so a little bit late. Sorry. But still, yeah. Listen, we record in bulk, so we want to get you that We record content. at Costco. We record, <laughs> we we record in, in the um, food area of Costco where you can get Get that pizza and, and the, the hot ma- dogs. The massive hot dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's why there's so much um, hustle and bustle <laughs> behind us. That's why it's always so hectic and the audio quality is absolutely horrendous. <laughs> um, so uh, this new year brings new content. So if you go to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Try Not to Die Pod, you'll find a number of new subscription tiers available, practically bursting with exciting bonuses. This month, we will be uploading the music and all of the old episodes of the podcast now ad-free. And if you subscribe now, you'll get access to the first episode of the Talkback Show series, The Afterlife. Uh, second, <laughs> You really got up there with we, me. We did it. We did it. I've been warming up all morning. Um, second and final announcement. This one I know you're all expecting. I'm sure I, I have to make an apology. I know you're all very upset, and I wanted to tell you I was wrong to say Uncle Scrooge McDuck was the only ethical billionaire. First of all, he's not. Uh, I reread some stuff, and oh boy, it's bad, folks. It's, it's rough. It's bad. It's, it's not good stuff. As bad as it goes. And, you know, that's the story of him. It's supposed to show how bad he is, but mm-hmm. I, my memory glossed over that clearly um and also he's not a billionaire it, it's even worse according to the comics he's a multiple jillionaire oh no yeah it's a made-up number he has a hundred cubic feet of gold and coin in a big bin he's that the worst kind too much wealth he is a dragon you need to distribute that my guillotine. friend guillotine <laughs> guillotine scrooge mcduck 2021 <laughs> it's a tragic story uh just like quince's so cue the bagpipes and prepare your hate mail One for me day i'll be the dm and we'll see who's laughing <laughs> And you'll be killing off all my favorite characters. Um, It's time for a doozy of a recap. Last time, our hero found herself battling strange fishmen known as Kuotoa in an underwater kelp forest by the wreck of the coffer, a ship Captain Styx had quote-unquote sunk. Hmm, not sure about that anymore. As Quince and Stillen were dragged into the seaweed surrounding them, Captain Styx and Zola managed to make quick work of the strange fish folk attempting to capture them. The two track their kidnapped friends through the kelp to find a drop-off, an end of the plateau leading to the depths of the Mara Imara. Far below them, still in, in octopus form of course, had escaped and was trying to assist Quince, but unfortunately the older half-elf could not escape the Kuotoa pulling him into the dark cavern in the cliffside. Knowing they were all on borrowed time with the water-breathing potions, the two forged ahead stealthily, hoping to catch up with their friend before he was taken too far away. At the end of this strangely semi-carved tunnel was a set of stairs leading up to a surface, an air pocket. Warging into still in the little octopus crept up to the surface, spotting four Kuotoa playing a strange game of dice. Weird. <laughs> Anyways, seeing that they had nerds. the advantage, big nerds. Big fucking nerds. Um, the two launched a sneak attack, Zola kicking it off with a scram-inspired thunder wave. 
The boom proved effective in blasting the fishfolk back, but also effective in alerting a few other Kuatoa further upsetting. in the base. Very always, upsetting. Always read new spells. Always read new <laughs> spells, my friend. Um, it is very typical for a new magic user, though, to be like, I learned a spell! Ba-boom! And someone's <laughs> like, hold on, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, though you managed to slice and dice those who greeted you, Captain Sticks was forced to do a totally legit impression of one of them using the Ring of Disguise to try and deceive the two who had come back to see what the hell was going on. That when that failed, you guys managed <laughs> to kill them very quickly. What? Yeah, uh, surprisingly, you need to know a language to convince people that you are one of them. Heading deeper into this strange cavern base, the party discovered, through sacrificing Stilton, that they had to carefully navigate this tiled hallway, and after that painful lesson, the two entered into a massive domed cavern lit by massive glowing crystals not unlike those below Paddlewick. With that light, they could see a round pool of water surrounded by a stone platform leading to four doors perpendicular to each other. Sitting atop a pedestal rising out of the center of this deep pool was a dark crystal scrying ball with an eye sloppily drawn on it, and in the waters around it, it seemed to be a large fish nest full of clusters of gelatinous roe and more sleeping kuatoa far below. That was an accidental rhyme. Fantastic work, Noah. <laughs> Very good job. Um, following a muffled conversation from the door furthest from them, Zola and Captain Stick snuck down a staircase to find the Omni Malum Stooge Plebo speaking with the religious leadership of this base about, quote-unquote, the tribute that they had collected for, quote-unquote, the eye, their divine interpretation of the symbols of the Omni Malum. Still under the assumption Quince was down there, the party launched forward, quickly learning that they were outclassed and their friend was not there. Turning tail, <laughs> the two ran back up the stairs to the main chamber, barricading the door and bolting through the door to the left to discover another cavern with childlike drawings of this cult's origin, and Quince stuck in the middle of this horrid, mucky pit. Pulling him out quickly, the three left this cave to head back into the main cavern where more fish folk were preparing to emerge. Captain Six insisted that she had to check out the last room to see if the item she was seeking on the coffer was there, forcing Quinz and Zola to watch her back while she searched. The ensuing battle was a bloodbath. Though Captain Stick succeeded in finding what she sought, a beautiful music box, and the wild shard did turn Quince and Zola invisible, giving them an advantage, the increasing number of Kuatoa and the powerful war priest proved to be overwhelming. In an absolutely epic move, Zola used her chromatic orb to electrocute the pool filled with the fish folk's eggs, <laughs> destroying a large portion of them and sending them into a frenzy that really, in, in a way, kind of disoriented their entire cult. Did, did Zola just commit genocide? Yes. Get ready to cancel Gorgonzola 2021. Oh, no. <laughs> um, as you made a quick escape, Quince and Zola were unfortunately downed. Our hero was brought up first by her relentless endurance and then by a healing word from Captain Styx, but she wasn't fast enough and Quince died in her arms. With no time to grieve, Captain Styx iced the war priest with a crossbow bolt and the two escaped back out to the underwater cavern, leading away from this horrid base. And that's where we are right now. Before we go into where we are right now, I just have to say something. <laughs> okay, go ahead. As, as Lisa, not as Gorgonzola, I listened to my performance at the end of that episode, and I, I feel the need to explain myself because I listened to it and I'm laughing so much. And I just want everyone to know that that is the laughter of the traumatized. Oh, yes. I am not taking this 
lightly. I, <laughs> I have thought for the last like two weeks about Quinn's dying. Yep. So much. So much. Every night. Yep. And so when you hear me laughing, just know that it's like, oh my God, this is terrible, terrible. Not yeah. like this is hilarious because yeah. I listened to myself and I was like, oh my God, I'm, I sound really insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like I think it's so funny. On, on the I was record, crying. On the record, Emo- like you guys couldn't see the emotions in the room it was very clear that that <laughs> was, was nervous laughter it was very much like oh my god no one might kill both of us and now quince is dead oh no absolutely tragic so, so just in case anyone is like oh my god lisa's fucked up <laughs> lisa has no moral code <laughs> just know that it's not lisa it's gorgonzola <laughs> so <laughs> zooming back into the world quince's body is still in the bag of holding you start to feel your lungs are getting tight and your muscles are oh. sore as you swim fast towards the surface though the potion of water breathing is still in effect you've been doing so much and the adrenaline of battle is fading as the waves of grief roll in causing you to feel a bit exhausted you swim out of the cavern and over the dark depths of the Mara and Mara far below you, feeling the weight of your armor perhaps now more than ever. Captain Styx turns back towards you, her eyes widening as she looks over your shoulder and twists the copper ring. Keep moving, we don't have much time. You feel your wounds begin to stitch up as she casts a healing word on you. I'm trying. I think um, uh, Stilton is like swimming backwards, like suction to my head, like pulling me up. Actually, Stilton is still not here. Oh shit! Stilton's yep. fucking dead. Stilton's dead too. Fucking um, hell! You... I'm hallucinating an octopus next to me, and it's the only thing keeping me swimming. What are you doing down there? Stop playing with that fucking that kelp that fell down. Fifty. Yeah, five hundred XP. No, I rolled. It's I rolled the two d four. You get uh, ten HP back. Great. She did a second level. Perfect. I am at uh, twenty four HP. Excellent. Um, you feel your wounds begin to stitch up. Uh, and you follow her eyes as she looks back towards the cavern where you see there are a few Kuatoa who have managed to escape and decided to pursue you. Clearly not happy no. with the uh, <laughs> slaughtering of their children. What? Uh, <laughs> D&D, guys. What a fun little experience. Um, <laughs> yeah. Captain Styx's golden eyes flare red as she raises a hand, causing this cloud of pure inky blackness to form between you and them. About like They're like 60 feet away or so. That'll confuse them for the moment. Follow me. We need to get back to Flambe as soon as possible. Okay. Um, she pushes upwards off the cliff, swimming as fast as she can. The way this is going to work is you guys are technically an initiative, but we're not going to go into the turn base because uh-huh. I imagine you're dashing. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I... I dined and dashed. You dined once some, again. I had some sushi, and now I'm out this bitch. And I'm out. I didn't pay the bill, and I'm fucking bolting. And my friend's dead. <laughs> hey, listen, you paid the bill in a different way. Oh. Um, so you swim back upwards, furiously pumping your arms. You see that these Kuotoa are still far behind you, but definitely trailing. You kind of cut through up through the kelp forest, and you see, actually, because it floated over, given the ocean currents, the hull of the feral free just, like, 200 feet or so above you, mm-hmm. um, and the bell that has is slowly kind of swaying in the mm-hmm. currents. You swim up to the bell. Just give me a single athletics check. We're trying to see how fast you're doing this. Okay. Uh, uh, 12. 12. 
that is enough to not lose your movement because of how exhausted you are. Um, so you continue to dash. That's 60 feet, 60 feet, 60 mm -hmm. feet. The two of you swim up into the bell, Captain Sticks pulling herself onto the metal seat, then offering her hand to you to assist you onto yours. You you feel the weight in the bag. Even though it's only 15 pounds, you mm -hmm. do kind of feel as if it were a little bit heavier given what's inside of it. I think he has like, there's like a foot sticking out. Yeah, you quickly <laughs> kind of push it down a little bit. Um, you look down once more towards the dark depths below you, seeing the Mare Mara no longer as a symbol of adventure and freedom, but one of the magnitude of loss. Eventually, you feel the bell begin to rise and it breaks the surface, rising above the frothy waves and slowly back over the deck of the ship. Second, this is in terms of seconds passing, since Quince's death, it's been, it was 30 seconds to get out of there essentially. And it was about like 25 to get up here. Oh God. So you're like at the edge of a minute. Um, you burst from, you see like, as you guys are rising over, just like in the end of Goblet of Fire, there is excited clamoring <laughs> of the crew as the oh, winch is locked into place no. and Captain Six drops down quickly. The excitement is quickly quelled as they all see her face. You climb out of the bell, holding the bag in your arms. And we're all um, like coughing up salt water. Yeah, just like <laughs> tears dripping. streaming out of my eyes. Um, Mascar looks at you. What happened? What happened? Quince, Cap Quince. Captain Sticks screams, get flambe. And Mascar nods as everyone begins to like pour in, figure out what's going on. You take Quince's body out, out of, of the, the bag, bag and you yeah. lay it down. And in seconds, flambe is there. How long? And before she could even really finish that, you see that a diamond is being shoved into her hand. Um, now, Flambe grabs the diamond and gets on her knees, pressing it to Quince's chest. Bright green energy flowing from her tiger-striped arms, causing this diamond to disintegrate into dust that catches in the wind, disappearing. There is a long pause. Flambe has just cast Revivify, her highest level spell slot as a level five oh celestial warlock. This is a homebrew mechanic I've seen in other campaigns. Um, we're gonna roll one final death saving throw with advantage oh for Quince. And rather than me roll it, we're gonna have you roll it. So flat, nothing gets added to okay. this. You want a 10 or higher and he will stabilize. Okay. Um, Zola is just on her knees, armor dripping with water behind Flambe, like mm -hmm. vision wavy, just like, looking at Quince's pruny skin and just thinking about how she didn't get to hear his story mm -hmm. and we put it off. She just needs to hear that story. 18! 18! <laughs> On the first roll! There is a long pause and for a second, it's completely silent. Everyone on deck is holding their breath, eyes locked onto this dripping, wet, sunburnt half-elf. Another moment passes. First, it's kind of like, oh no. This didn't take. You see Flambe and Captain Sticks like exchange a glance, um, and you see is Flambe is about immune? to suggest something. <laughs> is he immune to being revived? Is he that terrible? And then you hear <gasps> Quintus' eyes shoot open, bloodshot and wild. He sits up, gasping for breath, looking at his like soaked, bloody clothes as his wounds stitch up just a tiny bit. He comes back from the dead at one HP. Oh. My God, I tackle Flambe in the largest, tightest orc hug that she's ever gotten. Oh God! I didn't know you me. could do that. I thought he was dead forever. It's new. It's a new thing. I just learned it. Uh. I let her go and I hug Quince just as tight. You see that, like Quince, like still in the daze, is like Asmodeus, please. I wait. 
I'm alive. I'm alive. Did oh you gods. go to hell? Oh, God. Thank you. A second chance. Thank you, Flambe. Oh, God. Thank you. Flambe's feline eyes are like widened and a smi uh, sly smile emerges. The crew breathes a sigh of relief. The Muscatinis begin to crawl back onto the rigging now that things have. Now that they're like, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> I hug Quinn so tight that he dies again. <laughs> <laughs> he expires once again in your arms. Um, Nazarum and Nello rush over. Oh, God, Quince, that was absolutely terrifying. She squeezes him, and Zarum like claps him on the back, causing him to spit up a little seawater and blood. Timora, damn it, Quince, you had me worried there, man. Uh, and then coming from the crow's nest, you hear liar. It's alive! <laughs> um, I start up for he's a jolly good, good fellow, for he's, he's a jolly good, good fellow. And, and we carry <laughs> Quinn somewhere he can rest. You raise him into the air, and Captain Six is like, yes, bring him below deck. He is for sure out of commission for oh, the rest yeah. of this trip. He is done. We should, in fact, Quince, congratulations, sick pay. Um, and she takes some gold out of her bag, puts it on his chest, and nods to Mascar, who, like, hauls him up and begins <laughs> heading downstairs. Um, I look at uh, Captain Sticks and say, Thank you for getting us back here in time, because I have never seen something like this in my life. Like, does Zola even know that people can be revivified? Like, is that something that she would have heard of? This is the kind of thing that's, like... In our world, it's like when someone's like, I saw Jesus on a piece of toast. It's like, first of all, Whoa. incredibly rare, rare. Two people are like, I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe that it works. And there's like very little evidence. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah. It's a powerful spell. It requires an incredibly powerful and expensive spell component um, that most people do not have. Yeah. And as Zola would know, there are clerics throughout the Aurelian Empire, but most of them are not like arch clerics like they're not like high priests or anything yeah. like religion in the empire has gotten kind of suppressed a little bit so um this is for sure a rarity thank you for getting us back here in time i it makes me feel good about being a part of this crew to know that even the most useless worthless member is worthy of a revivify i told you that i would never be able to forgive myself if he died there's he definitely would have haunted us. He definitely. That was maybe reason number one, is I was like, <laughs> he has a very resistant soul. He would be back, I bet. But also, I think a waste of a life by someone else's actions is intolerable. There are plenty who have gotten in my way who I've cut down, but they've gotten in my way. And Quince, he had a good head on his shoulders. He just made a lot of mistakes. So... Yeah, we, he's really got to learn how to use a sword. Yep, and he needs to become a little bit more self-aware, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. yeah. I, I would have... This is this is something totally new. Me and Flambe have discussed this. She's been working with her patron and learning some new magics. So this was kind of a gamble. I, I wasn't even expecting her to be able to do it this fast. Wow. So. Lucky yeah. Quince. Quite lucky. Well, it's... Uh, she looks, like, up at the sun, which is nearing, like, the afternoon kind of area. Well, I think that we kind of deserve a day off. Why don't you, you know, do whatever you need to do today. Rest up. Um, feel free to eat as much salami as you want, you know. Thanks. I think that Flambe and I have some dinner plans. Sounds good. Um, one last question. What is that box? I know it... You probably don't want to tell me, but I just, it seems weird that you would put yourself in so much danger for 
something um, that doesn't seem to really have any monetary value. Well, um, follow me to my quarters. Um, she turns and just heads back inside. You see the crew at this point has kind of gotten back into their normal kind of situation. Uh, Zarum and Nella are like making sure the bell is back in mm-hmm. place and that everything is all cleaned up. Quince is not cleaning up the deck, though there is clearly a mess there <laughs> that eventually will need to be addressed. Uh, I will clean that for him. <laughs> this is the, the minutia of D&D is equally as important. <laughs> so you guys walk into her quarters, the um, dark walls and the glass um, paned window to your right, and you sit down on the cushions as she sits at her desk below her father's portrait, the yellow-skinned Cambion, or mm-hmm. fiend. I was born in the Ashender Isles, southwest of Emeralia, um, and I was raised by my mother. She was a tavern owner, and I was told my father was a merchant explorer, so I kind of, you know, grew up idolizing him, and I basically like worked from the moment I could stand and speak, cleaning the bar and helping bring food and drinks to patrons. But when I was about eight or so, he came back, um, like out of nowhere, and he was he was incredible. He was he showered us in gifts. He promised he was going to stay forever. He he gave this music box to my mother, and for a while things were really really good. For almost a year, I would say he pretty much spent the time with us. It was as if he kind of retired and decided that being a parent was something he actually wanted to do now. But one night. His first mate returned to the bar and told him something that caused him to, like, abruptly leave that night. I, I tended to listen in on those kind of things, so <laughs> when I overheard, I kind of maybe stowed away on his ship uh, as a nine-year-old. Um, uh, but he was actually not upset at me for doing that. He applauded my efforts. <laughs> And we sailed together for quite some time. I, I pretty much just left my mother alone. Um, and I only returned once to go see her about 10 years ago or so. Um, and the tavern had been burned to the ground and my mother had died in the fire. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, the only thing that was left was an iron lock box which contained a few trinkets that she had saved and this music box that my father had given her. She opens this beautifully carved, ornate box and it begins to play this sort of mischievous melody. She pauses, allowing it to play. My father, he really let the town have it. They burned down the tavern, so he burned down the town. And we left and never returned. And Why did they burn down the tavern? It, the people weren't exactly happy that her daughter oh. was a tiefling and that her lover was a fiend. And um, the Ashender Isles have gone through a lot of um, conflict. There's, they're kind of like a hot plate for fiendish 
hot plate. That's not a hot spot, rather. <laughs> of, they're a hot plate. They're a hot spot for um, activity from the Nine Hells. There have been sightings of devils down there for hundreds of years, and it's been a battle they've had to kind of deal with. And so they, regardless of whether it's justifiable or not, they have formed certain opinions about those who are descended from devils. Mm. So... Yeah, um, it was a really hard time, and since then, I've pretty much just s struggled through. My father's ship sank off the coast of Emeralia. I washed up near where Felicity Bay is, down down there, mm -hmm. um, and I found work as a sword dancer, and eventually made enough money to get my own ship, the coffer. Oh. And... You know, I, I was making a pretty good name for myself, and I was kind of doing more honest work. And then one day we kind of ran into Requiem and similar kind of situation as in the Ashender Isles. They didn't really take kindly to me. So they sunk me, and um, it was the second shipwreck I managed to survive. Um, and since then, I've pretty much sworn to live how I want to live. But this... Music Box has always, it's always haunted me. I've always wanted to get it back. I've always wanted to see if it were still there because if the lockbox could survive a fire, I'm sure it could survive a shipwreck. Mm -hmm. And I was right. Um, at a bit of a cost, but I'm thankful that it worked out. Um, it's been quite a ride, and it's, the, I, I, uh, I may have got a little um, wrapped up in the adventure of it. Captain, I have to correct you on one thing. It it doesn't it's not justifiable. Not your actions, but the the actions of, you know, the people who killed your mother. You said whether it was justifiable or not. It's it's not. So I just wanted to maybe someone else could say that to you. I don't know how much you trust my opinion on you know, personal matters, but, um, I'm sorry. In a weird way, we've kind of been through some similar things. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. And I think everyone on the Feral Free has a bit of a story similar to that. So that's one of the reasons why I try and watch out for everyone here. And though I've made jokes in the past about us losing other crew, we only lost them because I didn't have a way to recover their bodies. And... If I knew that someday Flambe would be able to do what she was able to do today, I would have I would have found a way to save anyone who finds a home here on the Frail Free. I know. So thank you. I appreciate your words. And to an extent I do think you're right. I've I've since uh, adopted a more more direct policy with how I handle those kind of behaviors and those kind of ideologies. Yeah. And um, so far, it's it's worked out pretty well. So you might be onto something. Just you know, it's not justifiable to hate people and to hurt them because of someone who may have been similar to them. Hmm. Lesson. Hmm. Hmm. The important thing is, you got what's important to you, and Quince got what's important to him. Um, and yes. I got twenty gold out of the deal. So <laughs> seems like it was a success all around. You got a little more than 20 gold. Oh. Um, she takes the bag of holding from you and turns it right side up. And you see just like 
an ocean of gold just, <gasps> what? just pour out over the room. Holy shit, um, Captain! And piles and piles of like platinum and jewels and gold. Yeah, some of that was stuff I managed to grab, and thanks to Quince, we managed to grab, but some of it's my own personal collection. And oh. but I think that it's it, it, you're everyone's in due of a good payday. Um so Thanks, Captain. I'll I'll try and pay it back someday. I don't expect you to, but it's honorable for you to say that. I'll pay it back. Okay, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I can see like looking at the gold in her eyes. (laughs) She's as she's talking to you, she's like, That's so honorable, but you don't need to do that. Just eyes locked on the glittering gold. (laughs) Um I'll I'll find a way. And also, um, Good job on those um, offerings to Tethysia, because hearing your story now, it seems like it's done some good. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky so far that um, since those two, there hasn't been a hat trick of shipwrecks for me. So yeah. we're just going to keep on holding on to that, that blue stone that you got us, and we're going to see if we're <laughs> all set for the rest of this trip. Quote, unquote, lucky. Lucky, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'll distribute the gold towards the end of the trip when you're um, almost at the capital. Great. So that way you have a full total and you don't have to be lugging this around. Great, yeah. Um, safer down here. Much safer. And I can assure you that the crew isn't going to take from you. Oh, they, yeah. No, now Mascar's that they all not going to steal it from me? No, Mascar's not going to steal it from you. He is a good orc. He nah, just, I know. I, know. I, I mean, following orders is not a good excuse for anything, but he he acts what he, the way he thinks is the best for the crew. So apologies again for that. And thank you for <laughs> Yeah, I think we're tonight. past that. Yeah, good. Good, good. job, Captain. I'm going to go make the crew some pizza. Sounds like, hmm. Uh, you leave <laughs> as she ponders the idea of this strange flatbread that you and your father created in your kitchens. What would you like to do with the rest of the day? This is kind of an open day. At, at night, there's obviously going to be like dinner where you can eat flambe. Yeah. And like people will be like drinking and kind of just having another relaxed kind of night um i think um i go back to my quarters and probably put on some cozy clothes like take off my armor that's like filled with water oh my god <laughs> absolutely dripping wet you're plucking <laughs> off these just like all this plant Covered matter in kelp. This kelp that you've accrued um i just put on like some like drawstring pants and like a little tunic and mm-hmm. then i go um knock on cicero's door oh okay um, yeah, so you head over. And what time is it? It's, I would say that, like, we can kind of say that given how much time, you know, you spent upstairs mm-hmm. and, like, what you might have done in your room, it's nearing dinner time. Okay. So sun is getting low in the sky. It's probably about 5, 6 p.m. Close to when she would. She would maybe come out around seven thirty eight 8, because okay. it's end of summer, fall time. Right. So, yeah, so you knock on the door and there's a pause before, like, a... It cracks open a little bit, and you see the lavender eye and kind of almost dark gray charcoal periwinkle kind of skin. Oh, Zola. <gasps> Sorry, did I wake you up? I, it, yeah, but don't worry. What, what's going on? Um, sorry. This could have waited till dinner. I kind of feel foolish now. No, uh, it's all right. This is like waking up early for you. You know, it's it's okay. I don't mind. Okay. Um, I just, I don't know if you heard that, Um, you know, Quince died and... Well, what? I, well, he's alive again. Now. Double what? What? Pause, <laughs> slow down. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you'll hear more about it over dinner, but we got in some deep shit down there, and I thought, for a second, I really thought that 
uh, Captain Styx and Quince and I were all going to die and that we were not going to come back up here and that I was never going to see you again. And I just, a part of me just wanted to, to see you again. Wow. I, I'm so thankful that you did not die below these waters. I'm so me thankful. Too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also happy to hear you wanted to see me again. Um, and that I was a thought in your mind towards the end of that. Yeah, of, of course. I mean, it's it's been really good. It's been really good. I'm, I'm going to go make some pizza, okay? But I just wanted to say hi because, yeah, thought, thought I was going to die. Yeah. And really good to see you. Yeah. Okay, I'm walking okay. backwards. I'm <laughs> doing finger guns. Um, you watch okay. her. Give me an insight check. <laughs> okay. Four. Four. Uh, you are both clearly a bit flummoxed. Just kind of <laughs> like she's definitely blushing, but um, yeah, it's this is just one of those like, oh, run my crush, I uh, gotta go. Um, she smiles at you. I'll be up a, in a beat. Yeah, so I'll see you at dinner time. Uh, she closes the door to get kind of dressed. She was basically in like a version of a nightgown, essentially uh-huh. the pirate version of a nightgown. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Sick. Yeah. Clearly had a, there was like a hook hand and a, and a peg like, no. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course. Um, I head down to the kitchens. Okay. Yeah. You head to cook's quarters, which is actually like right up next to oh, great. Yeah, the captain's quarters. So you head above deck. Um, you find Flambe is hard at work, just finishing chopping up vegetables, tossing them in a big pot that she is stirring with this massive wooden spoon. Oh, Zola. That was a close one. Hey, woman of the hour. <laughs> it It's it's nothing. It's all thanks to my patron. It really is something. It, almost like the miracle of life, I would say. <laughs> Yeah. If anything yeah. is anything, it's that's something. Yeah, I I guess I can I can take a little praise. Yeah. Yeah, good job, good job. Thank you. Um should we I you're already working here, but I can I can be your sous chef? Yeah, that would be wonderful. Um this is honestly this is in like the seasoning stage, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I've got some raw dough here and some like extra tomatoes mm-hmm. and like some stored cheeses and mm-hmm, stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't it's kind of like a smattering of things. I don't really know what to do with them. Oh. I know what to do with them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Zola goes full pizzaiolo mood. Oh my uh, god. I'm throwing dough in the air. Um, there's flour everywhere. <laughs> give me a um give me survival check with advantage. Okay. I don't think you add anything to survival, but I don't. Is, I but cooking goes on there. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. easy. And you have advantage because this layers. is something you definitely cook with your dad. Oh, first one is a nat one. Okay. <laughs> first pizza burns. Second one's a 15. Okay. The first one comes Your out a little crispy. Your oven is really hot. <laughs> uh, yes. It, there's not a lot of temperature regulation yeah. for this thing. Not a lot of on Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> With that, you finish an incredible pizza pie. and you, It's huge it's for, the big. Whole, for the whole crew. <laughs> it's like one of those ones you see people like like take novelty photos of uh-huh. them like about to eat a huge slice of it <laughs> um you bring it out and the crew like immediately mouth watering the muscatines like rush around you all three of them like little kids like looking up oh what is that what do you got there huh? i demonstrate i pick up a triangle and then i fold it in half i go for easy <laughs> for easy portability oh this <laughs> this is incredible what do you call this thing it's called pizza pizza and it's a paddlewick special <sighs> 
pizza <laughs> and the halflings immediately grab slices and begin munching down i save um so many slices for quince i put like a whole quarter of the pie away for quince. Oh, it's I'm a like no one pie. touched quince's slices ah, i wouldn't dream of it you <laughs> see um um arami one of the the not the eldest really but the mm. one who seems most in charge like slaps the wrist of dart who seems to be like reaching out and he yells at him in a halfling he's like <laughs> And like scrambles away. Um, everyone has a lovely meal. We have a pizza party. Pizza. You have a pizza party. <laughs> and Quince is brought up with the assistance of Mascarns of Room, kind of holding him arm in arm. He looks absolutely terrible. He has rested, but he is, you know, he's cut up, he's bruised, he's still got like bloodshot eyes from, you know, just like the intensity of that kind of whole situation. Um, he like sits down woozily, one of his eyes is like swollen shut. Zola! Quince. High five! <laughs> no, you are put a sword in that hand and start swinging because we're building your muscle up. I'm not taking any uh, shit, Quince. I thought I was going to lose you, bud. I, I'll admit it was really scary. He immediately breaks oh, down no. into tears. He's in the room, like, pats him on the back. Hey, buddy, uh, Zola saved you a whole quarter of this uh, uh, pizza, it's called. So why don't you, why don't you take a like bite? kind of like pie, Quince. Pie, I... I love pie. It's he, savory pie. Mm, that sounds insane to me, but okay. <laughs> um, he takes a bite. It is a little too hot for his mouth. So he's like, nah, nah. He's doing that eating thing where you, <laughs> you chew The cheese mouth. is on his palate. <laughs> he's like, nah, nah. <laughs> but I can, I can tell. Everyone in the crew, the second he puts that pizza salt in his mouth, can tell that, you know, when you eat something too hot and the skin right behind your upper front teeth mm, comes off. The worst. I <laughs> that, hate that's that. That's what happens to Quince really bad. Oh, hot, 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 very hot. But really tasty. Oh, wow. Why was that corner so hot? I don't know. Flambe was like, I kept it by the oven. I thought that you'd want yeah, it warm. Yeah, no, it's, but I think just, it has a weak mouth. And that oven, as we've talked about, is very high temp. It's yeah. perfect for this pizza perfect that you pizza. made. But yeah. Uh, so you guys all have a little pizza party. Um, Cicero is obviously D&D joins. D&D is a good game. This is a great game. I actually feel like I'm having a pizza party right Me now. Me too. I okay? also really want pizza. I know. I'm we like, should maybe order some We'll get after some this. after this. Yeah. <laughs> For the afterlife, tune in. Ooh, Anyways, pizza uh, party. <laughs> um, so you guys enjoy your time. Cicero's eventually obviously comes up and joins and... Um, you guys all like, you know, are kind of passing around bottles. Yeah, I'm really, I'm keeping Quince company. I'm like, uh, first of all, Zola's getting trashed because traumatic, <laughs> traumatic event. Yep. And she's, Zola's the, the kind of drunk that wants to feed everyone else alcohol. It's like, why aren't you drinking you more? You need to fill that up You need more. to drink more. Cesar was just like, oh, I'm still recovering. Okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. Glug, 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 I'll just glug, glug. I'll just drink it slow. That's fine. To I don't life. mind. Uh, <laughs> to Chaim. They're all everyone's cheering and dancing and singing. Uh, Captain Sticks puts on a little like performance, dancing Ooh. as Mascar plays like a small drum set, and Zaroom plucks on a lyre. Um, you guys have a wonderful evening, and eventually, everyone, as the night winds down, the stars twinkling above you, you see Cicero's takes on manning the helm for Mister McGreeby, who. I was like, oh boy, big day, big day. I can't wait to go the fuck to sleep. Um, heads out, looking out over the dark sea, it is just the sound of splashing waves on the hull. You hear Lyre up in the crow's nest, her snores ranging from like deep rumbles to like, because it's That's like she's mimicking other snores. snores. <laughs> um, it's been a long, long day, and I think 
especially you are exhausted. Um, what would you like to do? Are you heading to bed, or is there anything you want to do before the night, the day ends? Um, I'm probably uh, sitting on the. I'm social because I thought that I wasn't going to see any of these people ever <laughs> again. So I'm I'm the person who's at the party last. You're at you're the one who's I'm maybe asking to deck, sleep on the couch afterwards, looking at the stars. Like God, it's so good to see the stars. There's no stars above you when you're in the ocean. Yeah. Yes, that is very true. It's, it's really dark. It's very dark down there. Um, I've never been that deep before. We've never done a deep dive like that. So kudos to you. That was really impressive that you came back. Yeah, probably never again. Yeah, I think that's the last that's one. That's probably the last one. That's probably one, the yeah. last one. We could maybe just trade in the diving bell for, I don't know, a lifeboat or something. I agree with you. I really think Dude, that this is a huge dropping hints, yeah. I think that after this last one, I think that she's going to take your word for it. I you mean, guys should, I mean, unionize and make sure that you get, like, your 15s, yeah. your lifeboats, the money, your smoke breaks. The money is good, and she is pretty good about the kind of, you know, recognizing when we need to take breaks and stuff but yeah. you know it never hurts to unionize it never hurts to kind of be like hey this is something we all agree we, we all need. need yeah plus it's like that whole like a oh, small like we're all family small business like mm. it's just them trying to you know pull wool over i mean i love captain sticks but yes of you, course you should have a lifeboat yes of course <laughs> just this because your family doesn't mean doesn't mean you don't have a lifeboat yeah. that seems like a massive oversight <laughs> um but yeah so i am I'm so happy that you made it back. That's it's wonderful to see you again. Yeah, um, I set out from Paddlewick with so many goals, and now they're so mixed up in my head. And I'm right now. I'm just feel so happy and so glad to be alive. It's like no matter what happens, I don't care about any you know governments right now or or scrying orbs or fishmen i just am so glad to be alive yeah it was a doozy of a detour for sure um she looks up at you she is much shorter than you um her <laughs> lavender eyes kind of glowing in the in the night uh it has been a while since i've gotten decent company like you gorgonzola um even amongst the outcasts i feel like an outcast um, but you've made the effort to stay up for me and make space for me. And the crew is always treating me well, but it's nice to have someone who's kind of in my age range um, who I can relate to. Um, so I'm, I'm very glad that you're back. Me too. She looks out over the sea. You, you don't have to stay up too late tonight. I know that you, you've got to be exhausted. That was quite a trip and... No, I'm not that tired. I'm, I'm sitting against the uh, like wheel of the ship, like <laughs> dozing off. Very much. I'm not that tired. I'll just stay up and make sure that you have some company. Okay. Um, you stay up for a while. Do you, you, you know, do you just fall asleep at the wheel? Is there anything else you want to do? Yeah, I think I probably just fall asleep laying, laying next to her on the deck. Okay. Um, yeah, you fall asleep, kind of drifting off. What do you think that you dream about tonight? What do you, what do you think that, given all that's happened, what do you feel like is going through Zola's head as she falls asleep? And what do, what do you think is on your mind as you're going to bed? Definitely the Omni Malum and, um... I think Gorgonzola is starting to feel like at the beginning she was kind of like this could be a coincidence that I grew up in this town with this, you know, massive 
tunnel system underneath me and this organization. And now she's like, oh, there's a uh, another set of tunnels exactly where Captain Sticks, um, former boat sank. Zola is starting to feel like um, almost like a little like hunted in mm-hmm. a way. Like she's feeling a little restless, like no matter where she is, whether she's in Drifton and like mm-hmm. someone's always looking, looking for her, thinking about her, talking about her. Yeah, you. it's like destiny is kind of swirling around you, targeting you in yeah. some way. And she probably also is feels really safe being with Cicero's and uh, having one person who isn't like intertwined in all of this like right. destiny like Someone craziness who, yeah, yeah an outsider who you still can relate to and get yeah. along with um yeah you kind of slide down like kind of sitting laying next to the wheel and as you're kind of in that in-between space between fully dreaming and like being fully conscious you feel this shard kind of like warm against your side from one of the pockets that you have it in I assume that you have it in a pocket. You don't, yeah. You don't. You don't ever leave it, right? No, it's I always, always keep it side? in my pocket. Yeah. Okay. Um. That's my. That's Scrammy. Yeah. That's Scram. <laughs> that's my Scram dimension. That's my little Scram dimension. <laughs> um. As you're kind of in this drifting space, slowly falling towards deep sleep, that voice you once heard from the green gem on the ghostly orc ship, and the one that you heard as you fell asleep the night before, mm-hmm. speaks once more. Gorgonzola. It has been hard for you to hear me, child of the North, though I have caught a bit of what's been going on around you. I did not know I was in the presence of someone blessed enough to wield the tusk. Um... Hello? Is this thing on? I can hear you, yes. Oh, yes. hey. It's hard to... You can hear me, right? Yeah. Yes, I've been trying to talk to you. Oh. I spoke the other day, but I didn't think you heard me. No, I, you said we have much work to do. Um, What kind of work? Yes, we do. We have much to discuss. Perhaps there is a way for both of us to get what we want. What do you want? First and foremost, it is not easy to speak with you through this intriguing stone. Not like when we spoke before, more like screaming into the wind, hoping it carries your voice to someone right beside you. Uh, It would be wonderful to speak with you in person. I don't know if you have realized this yet, but the tusk can cut through more than bone and flesh. Like through the the shard, you mean? Perhaps. This legendary blade has been passed down by your ancestors, our ancestors. It is also known as the Mage Slayer. Those who wield it can cut through the weave itself, dispelling magic. Oh. I can teach you this skill, and in exchange, you can free me and learn a bit about your heritage. Um you that sounds kind of um well who, who, why are you in a gem i was put here by that mage for trying to help our people oh how would i go about freeing you just i would use the thing you teach me yes once you 
understand the tusk a bit, you will, you will learn how to wield it in a way that can cut through the fabric that surrounds us. It is not the easiest thing. It does not always work, especially mm. if you are new as a wielder. But it is possible, nonetheless. And perhaps it will help you free your friend as well. I don't see him in here, but it's possible. What, what do you, you want to do when you get out? Just, like, li live your life? Or are you on, like, a big, like, revenge quest? Or what's the goal? Hmm. Something like all of that, really. Uh, my life was taken from me when it was placed in this gem. Our lands, our people, our allies have suffered under the so-called peace. Hard agree, hard agree. So, perhaps I break that peace. Hmm. Well, I will say it's not m much of a peace for us, at least. So, hmm. could be nice for someone else to experience that for once. Yes, it would be nice, wouldn't it? It is right for us to assume the position that we are destined to hold is it not i don't know i don't know about destiny and all that i mean can anyone be anything perhaps the strings of fate that are tied to us are not one that can be seen by many not even i where'd you get your name from give me a persuasion check 13, 14 13. minus 1. I have dug many graves, and I have uncovered much. Long ago, I served under your mother. Mozzarella? I was an important member of her and your grandfather's court. My grandfather? Do you not know? No, I, o I only just found out who my mom is. As you're kind of like saying this, you still feel like you're in that in-between place. It's like mm -hmm. you're kind of, it's like, as you've been there before, it's your eyes are closed and so it's dark around you, but there are almost like flashes of images as your brain is trying, is like sparking into mm -hmm. the dream world essentially. And you are getting like little glimpses of like old dreams that you've had of the battles you saw mm -hmm. and the, the horrid atrocities that have occurred in the past. <sighs> your father, he would not have told you these things, I imagine, given your and his position in the Empire. But you know about your mother now, so it's only fitting you find out about your grandfather. Your grandfather was High Chief Guda of the Fomaji, the leader of the Orc clan of the First Might. Oh. The unifier and wielder of the Tusk before your mother. Wow. Um, you knew him? Yes, I worked closely under him. As I said before, the lands, the peace that existed was, it was no good. We suffered under that peace. False peace. It made us weak. 
and vulnerable. The weaker species, inferior species, claiming land that wasn't theirs, pushing their ideologies. I knew that war would be on our doorstep eventually, so I convinced your grandfather to allow me to research with the Witch of the Pale Wastes to learn magics that could protect orc kind from those who sought to undermine our strength. So you were... you know magic? Yes. I was once a bit of a mage myself. Is that why I can do magic? Perhaps. Perhaps it is your bloodline. People think orcs are stupid. They think that we cannot understand the intricacies, the complexities of magic, but with enough dedication, anyone can learn. This is pretty heavy, man. Yeah, I know, right? Pretty fucked up. Pretty fucked up. So my, my, me, my, my grandpa's dead. Yes, your grandfather fell during the war. I was in the south learning from the witch the Void Maker, and when I learned war had broken out and that the king had been struck down, I left to share what was, what was learned with our people so we could fight back. <sighs> Alas, Leoniel got word of my work and my journey, and then you found me. Funny how things work out like that. The Void Maker? Is she still... Do you know? She's still ma making voids? <laughs> Perhaps. You say perhaps a lot. I know much, but there is always mysteries to someone who has been literally trapped in a gym for 25 That's years. That's really fair. Yeah. That's actually really fair. Yeah. So, give me a history check. Okay. Nine. Nine. <laughs> the Void Maker is unfamiliar to you. The Witch of the mm. Pale Waste, that's not something you would have necessarily read about in your books. Yeah. It's, you've heard of the Pale Waste, though. They're south of the jungle. The Veridontes kind of, they're blocked off by the Sanguisor Mountains, which mm. kind of create this desert, just like barren space, where supposedly it's like a cursed land mm. from long ago. But that's about as much as you know. It's... One, it's a bit of a mystery to most people, and two, yeah. it's not a place that people are going to frequent. There's not a lot. There's not a resource. It's not there a that tourist destination. Yeah. <laughs> Weird that where the Void Maker lives is in like a Disneyland for Amaralia. Surprisingly, it, yeah. it, it was very fun. I learned a lot when oh, I was there. Kind of like like Disneyland. Kind of like Disneyland. <laughs> that far off plane of, yeah, of pleasure. The yes. Happiest plane. The happiest plane in all the multiverse. Yeah. Yes. Surprising, you know about the multiverse. You're very young. It's um, just all theoretical. It is, it is. I've never been, but maybe someday. Um, this is a lot of information, Gravedigger. Do you have another name, by the way? I forget if you told me. Limburger. Limburger. Crazy information, Limburger. Do you know anything about the Omni Malum? Hmm. There are whispers of an organization that hides in the Underdark. You got whispers, I got screams, my guy. You've seen them? Yeah, I, I, they've almost killed me twice now. And they killed my friend, but we brought him back. <laughs> I can do stuff like that. Whoa. Okay, so you said you can teach me to cut the weave? Yes. The tusk, if wielded correctly, could free me and perhaps your friend from this shard of sorts. Mm. This is very interesting. I have never seen 
a object such as this. Ooh, what's it like in there? What's it look like? Oh, well, it's from... It, I still am getting that kind of greenish tint from... Oh. The, I'm still in the gem. Inside it's a gem the... within a gem kind of situation. Mm. Uh, it's difficult to describe. Um, I'm sorry. I thought that maybe I could give you a new apartment or something, but mm-hmm. you just basically put your apartment inside a new apartment. Yes. I now have a closet in a, in a, in a railway apartment. <laughs> A railroad apartment. Not yes. even a walk-in. Yep, not even a walk-in. It's just a regular closet. You have it's a awful. Hot plate in there or something? <laughs> there are no outlets for me to use. <laughs> oh no! Oh no, indeed. <laughs> oh no! Um, beyond the like, beyond the the green is colors, flashes, movement, mm. like a world unto itself. But mm. I have no access to it, nor do I have any true vision of beyond. Mm-hmm. No, that's okay. You don't have to know everything. Just I don't need a lot of disembodied voices. It's probably not commonplace. Even yeah. though I've been out for about 20 or so years, it's... I mean, people don't usually carry... I assume that's not become a trend. No, yeah. Mm. No. No gems. No hashtag speaking gems. People or, gems, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, Maybe someday we'll catch on. But hopefully I'll be <laughs> out of the gem before then. So... Perhaps when you awaken tomorrow, you will try, make an attempt. I may not be able to speak to you soon, but if you focus on your bloodline, on your heritage, perhaps you will be able to do some work. Okay, I'll, I'll, give, it a, I'll give it a go. As these kind of final lines come in, um, you feel like... There's like a kind of glitch again, that kind of the same kind of visual and feeling you saw when the shard had absorbed the gravedigger mm-hmm. and had then subsequently absorbed your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, yeah. Yep. Um, so I recall. his voice is kind of getting more distant now, and you hear, Free me, Gorgonzola. Free me, and we can take back our home, our rightful place as rulers of this land. Okay. Have a good nap. I'll look for a hot plate for you. Good night. Good night. Uh, And with that, you fall into the deeper sleep. As you are drifting, there's another shift. You hear a strange sort of warbling sound, and you open your eyes and find yourself in a black void. Oh. You turn towards this warbling noise and see... Glittering at eye level, about 30 feet before you, the shard. Oh. Thrumming, shifting, warbling. Waves of energy being cast off of it, leaving you with that same burning ozone smell from before. What do you do? In a dreamlike state, I think I probably do similar to what Scram did. Walk up to it feel the heat coming off of it mm. sit down in front of it and then reach out you reach out and as your finger touches the shifting shard it freezes for a moment holding its shape and then there's a flash of iridescent light and when your eyes adjust you find yourself no longer in the dark void but standing on old white marble with beautiful opalescent streaks running through it like veins of precious ore Looking forward now, you see that you are in what looks to be the nave of a massive cathedral. 
this long central chamber where most of a congregation would sit. Mm. It leads to what looks to be a domed room far, like hundreds of feet before you, um, a circular chamber, not unlike the Pantheon, and at the center of which you see that there is some sort of small, well, small at this distance, fountain that seems frozen mid-burst. It looks beyond that that there is a staircase leading up further and two hallways leading away from this massive central chamber. Uh, it's warm, pleasantly so, which is a little bit surprising, but occasionally you get hit by like a gust of like blizzard cold air. Mm. Um, and it like causes you to shiver and like goosebumps to form on your arms. Gargantuan pillars line this room, some gilded and bejeweled with polished diamonds, others cracked with several sections where gems could have been inset. It looks like between you and this fountain, there are several hundred marble pews lining the path. Some are shattered and knocked over. This looks to be like some sort of temple that has fallen into disrepair. Hello? Your voice echoes throughout the space, and you wait for a moment. No response. I start kind of cautiously walking towards the fountain. Mm -hmm. Looking in the pews, does it seem like there are like things remaining here from people or like everyone cleared out before it fell into disrepair give me if you're gonna be like searching indefinitely you can do an investigation but no, if you're skimming I'm then just like looking like do i see like coats in the pews or like books like yeah All right, give me a perception check okay 13 13 yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just, like, rubble and debris. Some of it looks like it could be, like, cloth, just old, very old. You, God knows how old. There's, like, a thin layer of dust on everything. You do see occasionally a few um, open books, worn parchment, things that have near disintegration, but not quite. Looks like this has been abandoned for quite some time, but you don't see any bodies. It's not like there's, like, skeletons yeah. scattered everywhere. Can I look at what language... Are in, is in the books? Yeah, you pick up one of these old dusty tomes, this leather-bound book, and you open it up, and it is indeed filled with some very strange symbols. Hmm. Give me a history or arcana check. Okay. It kind of determines what aspect yeah. you will learn here. I'll go with history. I think I'm trying to look at the you know, the letters and see if I recognize like mm. what kind of alphabet that would be. Okay. Three. Three. This is complete nonsense. <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> this is Throw like, the book. You on toss the, floor. the book over your shoulder. Yeah, it's it's practically unreadable to you. This is just, just must be like dream speak. It must be in a weird dream world. Yeah, I... kind of like when you're like if you're trying to count your fingers, like it's hard to count in mm -hmm. dreams. Like it's one of those things. It almost as if the symbols are shifting. It's mm -hmm. you're like nonsense. You toss it over your shoulder. As you like look up, as you toss it over your shoulder, you see that like the Sistine Chapel, there is gorgeous renaissance style artwork worn mm. but still sparkling kind of coating the ceiling showing stories of people and gigantic powerful figures as you're walking towards the end of the nave where the frozen fountain remains this carved structure with a statue of an androgynous like femme figure holding what looks to be a crystalline stone is in the center of it. Her flowing robes are crafted indeed from the same like opalescent marble mm -hmm. but it somehow seems like impossibly real like it's if it's so well carved that it's like that really could be like a skin to stone situation you kind of follow these murals as you're walking and as you enter into the large domed central chamber with the hole in the center of it that clearly leads to like a blizzarding outside world there's mm. like snow swirling above that once it enters it disintegrates and just the cold air continues on mm -hmm. 
you see that these murals coat this inside of the dome, depicting all sorts of different stories. With the bright white light that is illuminating this dim space, you see that there are more of these like gargantuan, almost godlike beings creating, shaping worlds and their inhabitants from stardust. Further, and you see that there are some more destructive images post these this creation phase. Mm. There's land being torn asunder, oceans evaporating and swelling into tsunamis, bleak skies raining fire and rock. Several of these godlike figures are depicted in combat, monsters and heroes amongst them battling to the death with legions of celestials, fae, fiends, and humanoids. Mm. Some are falling to the weapons of their enemy, others are fleeing the violence. And these images continue, leading to an image of that same figure who is the statue at the center of the fountain. Um, though they are lying on their side, the gods that are surrounding them looking deeply saddened, some of them mourning. As you stand by the fountain, which, like, now that you're approaching it, you see that it's not frozen as an ice. It's frozen as in, as if time has stopped here. Um, this and is you, some temple of time Zelda this is, shit. Yeah, this is some <laughs> temple of time shit. And you look back where you look you through the book over your shoulder, you see it is suspended in air, kind of still open to the pages. Clearly, the moment you let go of it, it returned to that stasis. Ooh. You kind of scan this room, the only sound, the echoing footsteps of your, your Crocs. <laughs> Always gotta remember that. Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> just wet speaking. Um, as you stand by the fountain, you do see again those. This large central chamber has these huge grand halls, hundreds of feet tall. Like mm. it, it, this is an impossibly large temple. You've never seen a structure built this big or this vast. Um, it really feels like this giants would feel like babies in this space. Uh-huh. Um, it remind, That picture you showed me rind, reminds me of um, the Mesquite in Cordoba, Spain. If anyone wants to look that up, look the, that up, the inside cathedral in the in the middle. Yes, looks like that. Very much inspired by those kind of old world uh, cathedrals. Mm-hmm. You kind of stand these two massive grand halls leading away from the central chamber where you see, again, kind of two more naves lined with more of these cracked pews. Um, And then again, you see at the opposite side of the room leading away as this marble stone staircase leading up just to somewhere. Do I have my sword on me? Um, You touch your back and you do indeed feel the weight of the tusk there. I kind of want to, like, look at the fountain and remember what the gravedigger said to me and I guess Gorgonzola kind of looks at her sword and I slam it into the floor in front of the fountain and try to like picture like cutting through the weave like he said. Okay. Give me a <laughs> Noah's, oh, like, no. Noah's giving me the look where I do something that they didn't think I would do. Uh, yeah, really didn't expect this, y'all. Hold on <laughs> one second. <laughs> I gotta look something up. Um, okay, dispel magic. Okay, so you are not wrong to think that there is magic at play here. Mm-hmm. This kind of magic is so powerful and so raw mm-hmm. that it is kind of beyond the the mechanics of the levels of, right. the, of spell magic here. That being said, I will let you roll. Depending on what you get, something good could happen um, or nothing will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So give me a, it's a DC 20 check using your spell casting ability. Using my spell casting ability. Okay, so plus two. Oh, I got a 20. 
You got a nat 20? No, or? I got an 18 plus 2. I got a 20. Oh my Christ. You <laughs> <Holy> slam <shit>. the <laughs> tusk down into the ground and there is a wave of energy as you feel the weave tear and crack and rip like small holes in reality open and then close as this statue begins to shudder and shake. Oh, Pieces oh. of it kind of crumbling away. <laughs> I step back. Um, as you step back, you see it all simmers and stops. But the statue is changed. It seems as if something has been stirred within it. It has not moved, mm -hmm. but it looks like color has returned to this stone statue. Mm -hmm. It is difficult to understand exactly what has happened here. Yeah, but, but you do different. feel that something is different and that it's as if something was already at work in the world. Based on mm -hmm. what Scram told you, based on the prophecy that he had heard, something is at work. And whatever you did, just jump-started it. See if that was good or bad later. Um, and I I just leave the tusk um, like standing in the floor in front of the fountain, and I, I turn around to go walk up the staircase. Okay, so you're just going to head straight up the stairs? Yeah. Okay, so you continue past the statue walking a few more hundred feet to this stairway that leads up. I'm in my PJs. You are in your PJs, your Crocs <laughs> still squeaking on the ground. You look up and you see that this, this staircase extends far beyond your vision. It's it's like, whoa, this, this again, these halls are huge, but like this staircase, it leads up almost into like darkness. There's a glimmer whoa. of light at the end of it. You begin to walk, your footsteps echoing through these massive marble halls. And as you do, you feel the cold air grow and shift, spiking and dropping more extreme now. Before, it was like there was a warmth about this chamber mm -hmm. with some gusts. But now it's like one moment, normal temperature. Next moment, below freezing. Mm -hmm. you're, it feels almost like you're having a fever. Um, you continue walking. And finally, after a few moments, you reach the top of these stairs and find it leads to the outside world. A simple but beautiful stone sort of altar made from this opalescent marble is positioned out before you, a platform looking out onto this massive island. You look forward, it seems like there's a peninsula heading forward across it. You look out to your what would probably be the west and see another, and look out to the east and see another. It looks like this is kind of a... Like a, like almost like a star shape, if you imagine like mm -hmm. a star in the night sky, like a kind of four-sided diamond almost. It looks like the landscape is constantly shifting. It's The air is clean and you catch whiffs of like petrichor as you see storms in the distance forming, dropping all of their water and disintegrating as like mm. the sun emerges again and like evaporates it. It's as if weather and space here is like constantly shifting. Yeah. Um, it looks, though there is like green life, you see occasionally like it's covered in snow and like you see no other movement here. It doesn't look yeah. like animals are able to kind of inhabit this kind of rapidly changing space. As you like look around, you turn your attention back towards the altar and see again floating above it, the glittering shifting shard. It seems to be warbling, but it is calmer now as if you've kind of like reached out to it. Mm -hmm. Give me a arcana check. 11. 11. Not rolling great this episode. Not great. Um, <laughs> Except pretty, for that last one. <laughs> yeah, very, okay. A surprisingly powerful one. So <laughs> with an 11, you know that dispelling magic and creating magic 
all come again from the same source like the ability mm -hmm. to tap into the weave the fabric of magic that is woven into the universe like a gravity or mm -hmm. another form of physics it is like plucking at strings just in different ways to manipulate them and in dispelling magic you did something so the shard does look calmer than before hmm. it looks active though i look at it and say you got any input here as you say that you feel that kind of like you know the jaws pulling back focusing in at the same time that kind of pulling out uh -huh. feeling you feel as if you're being drawn in and is pushed away at the same time as you hear a voice whispering in your ear at first some of them familiar some foreign all speaking at once until one breaks through nothing will be spared all things will come to shift some call it a curse some a gift as the song finishes Echoing all around you, you see swirling planets, worlds, different sizes and color. You realize that you are like no longer in your body being pulled up out of the world. You see Whoa. this, it's like getting pulled out. You look, you see your body on standing before this altar. You see pulling out the massive cathedral, this star-shaped island pulling out further. You see Emeralia to the southwest of it, other continents, vast oceans pulling out even further. You find that you are floating above Fayfall, being pulled by this force. The blue and green globes slowly getting smaller as you hurtle out of the atmosphere, deep past space. A massive planet flies by you. Another two. As you get pulled rapidly, you see the sun like glinting far in the distance until you are like hurtled out of this star system into what looks to be astral dust. The pull lessens a bit and you turn in this weightless space, kind of feeling those psychic winds that you are very familiar with from one of your first dreams buffeting mm -hmm. you. You look around to get your bearings, again finding yourself in that strange spatial plane. You pass by floating asteroid-like rocks, some islands with shattered structures on them, others empty, floating amongst the debris of other worlds and glittering stardust. Give me a history check. 17. This is the Astral Sea. This was something you already suspected before, but this confirms you are in the space within spaces. You are, this is the road that leads everywhere to where you are and where you haven't been. This is essentially the, the pathways to the many worlds of the mm -hmm. multiverse. There's a tug at your form and you feel like you're getting like pulled again through like this cloth barrier that stretches as your body presses against it, trying to like tear through until you hear that ripping noise and you like gravity and space shift and you find yourself falling downward spinning and spinning you see above you ching, the kind of green globule of light that you recognize to be still in kind mm -hmm. of blink into existence and begin to follow you rapidly kind of panically bouncing around as you're looking around you again see portals like r one ruby red one slightly orange all swirling as you're falling through this space you need to get out of here. You get that feeling. You get yeah. a deep feeling that if you do not make a move quickly, you will perhaps be stuck here, St even though this Dalton, is a dream. I'm so glad to see you. Which way is up? I mean, down. I mean, back. Give me a perception check with advantage as he begins to help you. 14. Segment 17. 17 will do it. Oh my goodness. It would have been really bad if you did not roll well. <laughs> you 
look around and you see just like before that silvery portal that led back to the material plane. You've kind of gotten like a macro perspective of the astral sea mm -hmm. and now you've been like pulled back into it, into your form, mm -hmm. you're falling through and as you fall through you see that you pass through the portal and again are like hurtling down towards Emeralia, down towards the Mara Emara, down towards the black hull of the Feral Free until you <gasps> bolt up, gasping for breath. The shard is warmly glowing at your side. It is morning and you see Mr. McGreeby standing over you. Oh, oh, you all right there? You were kind of twitching in your sleep and muttering things and talking to some people. I was in space. Okay. I'm you... going to go to sleep. Oh, yeah. Maybe go to your real bed this time. Okay. Okay. You okay. all right? Do you need anything? Nope. Thanks, Mr. McGreeby. Yeah, this kid is... There's something going on in this kid's head. <laughs> um... <laughs> You feel absolutely overwhelmed. This is so much information. You, I just had like a DMT trip in yeah, my sleep. <laughs> you just saw like the universe. And for your mind who could barely conceptualize how big Fayfall was, uh -huh. this is breaking. This is like, what the fuck? What Give the me fuck? a D20 roll. And this time I need you to roll with disadvantage. Okay. First one's a seven. Seven. As you, like, stand from Mr. McGreeby's side, you look out and you see that, like, most of the crew is kind of hard at work. Oh, Quince, gosh, I slept until, like, mid-morning. You slept until, like, at least 10, they 11 didn't wake a.m. Me up. No one liked you. You were, like, fast asleep, and it was a big day yesterday. Big so, day. And based on how hard you were partying the night before, they were like, eh, just let her oh, rest a little sleep. longer. Um, so you, like, stand wearily rubbing your eyes, and you look out. You still feel the shard warmly glowing, and then you hear, like, and uh, everyone looks at you and is like... That wasn't me? And then you see everyone immediately begins to turn like a shade of green. No. Um, and one by one, you see them... And everyone just starts getting violently no. ill as they <laughs> double over. <laughs> you are not in space. This is the real world. And it looks like whatever the shard did this time, it wasn't very fun. Oh. And that's where we'll end our episode today. <laughs> wow, 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 I wow, just, wow. I just interdimensional traveled. I should be throwing up. Yeah. It's everyone stop throwing up. On to I should else. be throwing up. <laughs> Whoa, what a doozy. Another big lore episode. Thank you, know, you all for listening. Sometimes you see a bunch of planets and then you shit your pants and everyone gets really close to What if you was just like, roll with disadvantage. Um, you shit your pants. You just shit your pants epically and everyone looks at you and, and is everyone like, laughs and then oh throws my God, up. loser. Bah. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. Not the same. What the fuck, Noah? <laughs> Thank you again for listening I to, guess. Uh, to Try Not to Die. What a doozy of what an episode. Doozy. We keep saying that. It's almost like they're all doozies. I know. It is when you near the end of a, of a, of a book... The chapters oh, get a little bit more intense. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you especially to our Eldritch patrons. This is our you know first time in the new year. We're thanking you. This is the list as it is right now. So apologies if I miss your name. 
Thank you to Becca, Paige, Emily, John, Lucy, Mackenzie, Nicole, and Andrew. You guys are the best, and we thank you for all of the eldritch we powers. We fucking you give love us. you guys. Also, sign up for um, a tier on our Patreon. There are some of our patrons who are still um, donating to us mm. out of the good of their heart, and our tiers up now. So if you go to our page, switch over from just giving us money to giving us money and getting something back, please. Yeah, please. We want to give you that content. We absolutely want to give you that content, and if you don't switch over, just mechanics of patreon will not let you see it despite what we want paying. you to see it and we really want you to see it because what we're i mean what we're gonna do literally after this is order pizza order pizza and record <laughs> the afterlife which is the post show that you will get if you sign up for one of the tiers of our patreon for so five dollars and up five dollars and up so go to patreon.com slash try not to die pod and you can join the eldritch otherworldly ones who give us these abilities and you get and a whole other show yeah you twice get the content double the content two weekly shows Ugh, what could you ask that's like it's gonna be like three hours of content a week that's yeah pretty good it's pretty much like you're our best friend now just hearing you're us based, we talk you're here. to you you're here and, <laughs> and we're holding hands and we love you so thank you again <laughs> for listening um check out all of our social media you know them by now um we love you so much and again try not to die bye Thank you.